Amen. Can we put our hands together? Give God a hand clap of praise. Oh, come on, ARC. Let's pray. Let's lift our hands and worship God. Anybody thankful for the Spirit of God we feel in this place? Oh, hallelujah. Are you thankful that you found, hallelujah, what thousands are seeking for? Come on, come on. You ought to be thankful that you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of your heart. There's people committing suicide. There's people turning to drugs and relationship. But we know that we have, amen, what the world needs. And I'm thankful. Come on, when I'm down, I turn to Jesus. Hallelujah. When I'm down and out, I turn to Jesus. When I'm sick in my body, I turn to Jesus. Come on, whatever you need, it's in the house today. Come on, not because of me, but because of Jesus. Because he's in control. Give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter number 24. While you turn there, I give honor to your pastor and his wife. Love and appreciate them very much. Amen. And um, he sent me a, a snippet of the service they're having in Costa Rica. Amen. It looks a lot like what was going around on in here today. I'm so thankful, amen, that all over the world there are different cultures, different people, different churches. Amen. But the same spirit. Amen. And I can go anywhere and feel the presence of God. And I'm thankful that we can feel him here in Carson City. Anybody thankful for that? Amen. Amen. Give honor to my family in their absence. And um, they may try and make it up here with me on Wednesday. Uh, my youngest struggles a lot with um, asthma and allergies. And the past couple times we've come, she hasn't done so well. But amen. We're going to see how she feels. And they'll probably be here Wednesday. Uh, we love this church, amen, this church feels like home, amen, and um, I just love what God has been doing here, uh, revival, people being filled with the Holy Ghost, people being baptized, and I'm just believing that God's going to continue doing, amen, what, he, what he's already started. There's no reason that it has to stop, amen, sometimes we get this mindset that revival is a season that we step into and step out of, but revival can be ongoing, amen. Revival can be ongoing because God never runs out of power. Amen. And if you need the Holy Ghost today, God will fill you with his spirit. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, there's water here. Amen. You can be baptized and all your sins be remissed. Amen. That sounds like a good deal. If you ask me, amen. 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 And uh, we thank you uh, for the prayers uh, for my pastor, Pastor Ari Prado. Um, up to this point, it's already been a miracle. And uh, as it is in the medical world, there's ups and downs, but we've received word and amen. We know that there is faith, amen, that all facts have to be filtered through. And I know that God has his hands on him. And we thank you for your prayers and your support, amen. And uh, Brother Diaz kind of mentioned it, I believe, uh, when it initially happened. Brother Urshan put out a video and he told us that within 24 hours, there was over 45,000 people that viewed the video. And there's thousands of churches all around the world that are fasting 24-7 on behalf of our pastor. And I'm so thankful for the body of Christ because we can't do it by ourselves. And there's times you can't pray for yourself. I'm thankful for a church that loves and that prays and that cares. And so I give honor to my man of God. And I know there's going to be a moment in time when he steps back in the pulpit. Amen. And continues ministering to the churches of the living God. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 18 through 25. And... 
this might be a little bit different than perhaps what you've come accustomed to under uh, when I've come to preach, but I felt God really lay this on my heart today, and I want to be a blessing to someone, and so I pray that you would, amen, get in the spirit with me and allow God to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish in this house. Second Samuel chapter 24, last thing to all our visitors and guests, if this is your first time at ARC, welcome, amen, you're among friends and family. And we welcome you to the house of God. Second Samuel chapter 24, starting at verse 18, and we'll read all the way down to verse 25. The Bible says, And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear unto the Lord in the threshing floor. Everybody say threshing floor. Of Aaron of the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded, and Arana looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. Arana went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. Arana said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said to buy the threshing floor, everybody say threshing floor, of thee to build an altar unto the Lord to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Arana said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice, and threshing instruments, and other instruments of the oxen for wood. All these things did Arana as a king give unto the king. And Arana said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. The king said unto Arana, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God, of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor, one more time, say threshing floor, and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, so the Lord was entreated for the land, and the plague was stayed from Israel. One more time, drawing your attention to verse 21. Bible says, And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar. Amen. With the help of the Holy Ghost for the next few moments, I want to preach from this thought, an altar on the threshing floor. An altar on the threshing floor. Can you set your Bibles down? I already feel the Holy Ghost moving. Can somebody help me pray? Can you lift your hands? I believe God wants to move in this house today. Come on, can you lift your voice? Lift your hands and believe with me that God is about to pour out his spirit in this house. Come on, let's pray, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. There's nothing in this world as powerful as you. Your ways are above our ways. Your thoughts are above our thoughts. And God, We've come here today to give you all that we have. We understand that tomorrow is not promised. And so, God, we want to make the most of today. I pray your spirit would flow through this house and would begin to minister and move on the hearts of your people. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. Everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, clap your hands and give God the glory. Amen. You may be seated. An altar on
on the threshing floor. In the setting of our text, we find that David had sinned against God by taking a census or a numbering of the children of Israel. This was an act that God had neither asked nor authorized David to perform. I believe that the reason God was angry at David for numbering the people is that in those times in Hebraic culture, a man only had the right to count or number that which belonged to him. Israel, as we know, did not belong to David. They belonged to the Lord. And so David, ordering a census that was not commanded by God, was signifying and declaring ownership over something that he had no rights to. The significance of this was established in Exodus chapter 30, verse 12, where we find God demanding a ransom when a census was taken in order to prevent a plague from coming onto the children of Israel. And so David, being out of order and being lifted up in pride in return, had now put Israel in a dangerous place. First Chronicles chapter 21 gives us even more clarity on the situation that was unfolding in Israel. It lets us know that it was Satan that had provoked David to number Israel because he knew this would put him at odds with God. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to mention this so we gain some understanding of the devil's tactics. That the devil isn't only trying to tear you down. When the devil can't break you down, he will build you up. It's a different tactic, but it's the same result. He couldn't tear David down, so he provoked him into being lifted up in pride and numbering the people. Because the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. David being lifted up in pride didn't just affect him, but it put an entire nation in jeopardy. Amen. Hear me, saint of God. Don't allow yourself to be torn down, but you also have to be careful to not allow yourself to be lifted up as well. Because pride won't just affect you, but it affects all those that are connected to you. And that's why we have to stay in the spirit of God and pray with all of our hearts. Don't allow me to be lifted and don't allow me to be torn down, but keep me resting in a perfect balance. The reason we have to stay prayerful as God begins to, uh, uh, to raise us up and cause us to walk in new levels is because if we're not careful, we'll begin to think that revival is because of us and be revival is because of our efforts and because of our talents. But hear me, saying of God, we always have to keep a posture of understanding uh, that every good and perfect thing uh, comes from God. <laughs> Amen. I'm thankful for the results that we've had, amen, in the few weeks of revival, amen, that you've had with me. But I'm not foolish enough to believe it's because of me. I understand everything that's happened has been because of God. And God can put anybody else in my place, and you'll still see the results. we got to get back to being humble and saying if it's going to happen, it's going to be by the Spirit of God. If it's going to work, it's going to take an anointing that's greater than my talents and greater than my ability 
abilities. I'm praying this time for the church to get back in the prayer room until our hearts are in alignment with God. Let me tell you why I'm telling you this. Amen. I'm not preaching that we're struggling with pride here, but I do know that it's not God's will for ARC to stay in the same amount of anointing that you've always walked in. And it's not God's will for this to be the last building that you ever, amen, dwell in. And so I'm trying to preach to you now. You got to stay humble because God is about to take uh, this church some places. Uh, and it's going to take some saints that are humble and say, I don't know how, but I know it was God. And I know it was by his spirit. Uh, and I know it was by his power. Hear me, David. Don't be lifted up. Uh, amen. You got to stay balanced. Uh, and the only way to stay balanced uh, is to walk in the spirit uh, and not in the flesh. Somebody clap your hands and give God the glory. So destruction follows pride, and we see this to be true in our scripture text. David's pride results in the word of the Lord coming to the prophet Gad, giving David three choices. David could choose to either have three years of famine he could choose three years of being destroyed by his enemies, or he could choose three days of pestilence. And David, reasoning within himself, perhaps thought that three days of pestilence would be the best option for them moving forward. And so David chooses it, and God sends an angel to destroy Jerusalem. And stay with me, it's here that we reach the heart of the text where the angel of the Lord commanded the prophet Gad to tell David to go and set an altar on the threshing floor. Everybody say threshing floor. And as I read this scripture, I began to wonder why would God have David build an altar on a threshing floor? The word altar is mentioned in the Bible 321 times. And although there are countless examples throughout Scripture of various altars that were built for a vast array of different reasons, this was the only time in Scripture anyone was ever instructed to build an altar on a threshing floor. This was also one of the very rare times in Scripture's outside of the altar for burnt offerings and the altar of incense that we find God specifically commanding someone to build an altar. When we think of an altar as saints, if you've been in church for a while, we understand it to simply be a place of sacrifice. We know according to Psalms 51, 16 through 17, that God doesn't take pleasure in burnt offerings, but the sacrifice he desires is a broken and contrite heart. And Understanding all of this, he still leaves us with the question of why God would want this altar or this place of sacrifice to be built on a threshing floor. And today I want to explore what spiritual significance this holds for us here today under the sound of my voice. And to understand the answer to this question, we first must understand that in the Bible days there was no machinery. And so after the harvest, grain was separated from the straw and the husk by beating it manually. 
The process of threshing was performed generally by spreading the sheaves on the threshing floor and causing oxen and cattle to tread and stump over them repeatedly. And we would say, what does this mean and why is this important? It, what it did was it loosened the edible part of the grain from the shaft that surrounded it. Then they would take a pitchfork and they would throw this mixture into the air where the wind would catch a man and blow away the shaft. And because the grain was heavier, it would leave the grain on the threshing floor. It's imperative for you to understand that the threshing floor was a rough place. It was a place of great separation. It was a place of hardship. The grain had to be treaded on. It had to be stepped on. It had to be thrown into the air until that which was not good was blown away and you only had a good harvest remaining. The threshing floor was a place where in order to possess the good grain, you'd have to beat it. Amen. You would have to work it. And can I present to you that just like in the natural, in the spiritual, the threshing floor is a place of separation and relinquishment uh, that each and every one of us under the sound of my voice uh, must come to at some point uh, in our walk with God. Uh, just not with David in the scripture text we read today, but even in 2023, uh, God is still requiring his people to build an altar uh, on the threshing floor. What does this mean? The threshing floor is a place that we have to sacrifice our will. The threshing floor is a place we have to relinquish our iniquity. Amen. The threshing floor is a place where we have to let go of our pride. The threshing floor is a place we have to sacrifice our wants and our desires. I'm preaching about a threshing floor this morning. It's a place we have to allow the wind of the Holy Ghost to take away the shaft and let God carry away all of our burdens and our doubts so that God can pull out our true value and so that God can get to our true potential and he can use us for his purpose and his glory and to sustain others. Can we lift our hands and worship God right now? I'm preaching today about a threshing floor that God is calling someone to today. It's a rough place. It's a hard place. It's a place of separation. Hear me, it's a place where you feel like you're going to lose your mind. It's a place where everything you deem valuable, it seems that God is separating from you. But hear this preacher, you got to build your altar right there on the threshing floor. Some of us find ourselves on the threshing floor. Hallelujah. Some of us find ourselves there right this moment on a threshing floor. And life has been hard. And it seems like you're losing more than you're gaining. And it seems every time you come up for breath, you're being beaten back down. And you don't understand what God is doing. And you don't understand why you're at a crossroads. And you don't understand why everything in your life seems to be going wrong. Why is my life upside down? Why is God calling me to a threshing floor? Amen. 
let me encourage you this afternoon although it's hard and although it's a rough place although at times it doesn't make sense and you feel like you're going to break and you're going to lose your mind I've simply come to preach to you today that you have to keep your altar on the threshing floor although it's uncomfortable you got to stay on the threshing floor although it's lonely and you can't tell up from down but hear me it's here on the threshing floor where God is shaping you where God is molding you hear me he's not destroying you he's separating your potential from your destruction hear me God is getting rid of things that will hinder you later down on the road he's bringing you to a place where you have to relinquish some things that are holding you back because you don't understand in the moment why God says no we all shout about when God says yes we all shout about the blessings that rain down from heaven. We all shout about the mountaintop experience. But I want to give somebody this understanding today uh, that what God is doing when he says no uh, is re you're praying God use me. And God said in order for me to use you, uh, there's some things that cannot go with you to where I'm taking you. Uh, there's some baggage you're holding uh, that you got to learn to let go uh, if you're going to climb to where I'm trying to take you. I'm trying to minister to somebody today. Uh, God doesn't take away to hurt you. Uh, God is not trying to destroy you. Uh, but God is saying in order for you to get to where I'm taking you uh, there's some things I got to take away uh, because it's baggage it's keeping you in the same place it's keeping you with the same anointing it's keeping you at the same level and if you ever want to go higher in Jesus you got to learn to lay aside everything that is holding you back and it's so it's here on the threshing floor although it doesn't make sense God requires us to build an altar he requires sacrifice on the threshing floor because in order for God to do what he's trying to do in your life, it requires the threshing floor. Can we clap our hands and give God the glory? <laughs> Amen. The other thing I want to direct your attention to, and we're going to get back to this in just a few moments, is the scripture we read in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 22. This threshing floor belonged to Arana, and when David approaches Arana and makes it known to him that he desired to purchase his threshing floor, we find Arana telling King David that he would give it to him for free with all the oxen, with the various instruments and the very wheat itself because David was a great king. And this is where we find David making a statement that resonated with my soul. It's a true glimpse into a man that's full of issues and problems, yet still a man after God's own heart. In verse 24, we find David saying, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Everybody say price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. You see, David was unwilling to offer a sacrifice to God that didn't cost him anything. Can I tell you that when you get to this threshing floor, a place where God can change you and conform you, uh, hear me, it's going to cost you something. Uh, because if God is going to get to the potential and the good grain, uh, there's some things you're going to have to relinquish. Uh, and let me try and minister to somebody because we all pray that prayer, God use me. 
We sing that song from time to time. God, if you can use anything, Lord, I want you to use me. But can I tell you, there's been a lot of people with an anointing, I feel the Holy Ghost, with an anointing and a calling on their life that when it came time for God to use them and God said, I'm about to use you. You've been praying to be used in ministry, to preach, to sing, and I'm about to use you, but it's going to cost you something. That in that moment of decision and prayer, when faced with choosing between God and what you deem your dreams are, there's some sacrifice that needs to be made. And there's been many people that have packed up their altar and said that costs too much and it's going to take too much. And I, I want what you have for me, but I'm unwilling to let go of the things that I want in my life. I'm preaching to you today. That in order to pursue after God, it's, hear me, it's going to cost you something. It's going to, I know it's not easy, amen, showing up to church every, every week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, Tuesday night for prayer, every event. It's a sacrifice, but t hear me, ARC, I'm preaching to you in the Holy Ghost, amen, I'm preaching prophetically to somebody right now. In order for you to get to where God is trying to take this church, amen, hear me, it's going to cost something, and you need to be aware of this going in so you've already counted up the cost and say God I'm ready for what you have whatever you have to take away whatever has to be stripped away revival is that important to me Come on, my family is that important to me. I feel today that the eyes of the Lord are on this church, and his eyes are sweeping the hearts of everybody under the sound of my voice, and God is wanting to know, come on, are you still all in? Come on, have you counted up the cost? Are you willing to stay on the threshing floor in order to get the harvest that God has for you? Come on, let's pray. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Let's pray all over this house. I hear the voice of the Lord in this moment. They proclaim and profess they love me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. ARC, I'm not saying your heart is far from the Lord, but I'm saying God is taking account today. Do you really mean what you say? Do you really mean what you pray? When you say you love the Lord and you're willing to follow after him, are you willing to stay on the threshing floor? Are you willing to give up whatever it takes? It's easy to pray that we want to be used. It's easy to pray that I want to be a prayer warrior. It's easy to see men of God preaching behind a pulpit and say, I want to do that someday. It's easy to pray all these things, but at the same time, we keep a death grip on our will and our desires. And there's too many apostolics that are proclaiming that they want to be a soul winner, but refuse to sacrifice personal time to even teach a Bible study. There's too many... There's too many men that want to be preachers but are unwilling to pray for 15 minutes a day. Hey Amen. Hear me. I'm trying to help somebody. We live in a generation that wants it all. Yeah. 
but are unwilling to sacrifice or compromise anything in exchange for the will of God. There are too many people that refuse to give up their career. There's too many people that refuse to relinquish their will. Amen. They cry out to God and they say, I want you, but I don't want what you have for my life. Amen. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to go to church. And all the while, God is waiting on the threshing floor, waiting for someone who's willing to sacrifice, looking for someone who is will willing to sacrifice it all for his purpose and for his plan. Amen. Looking for someone who's willing to put their altar on the threshing floor and say, not my will, but thine be done. Hey man, there's a call going out today that the harvest is white, but the laborers are few. And if I could transmit what I feel in my spirit to this church, I feel the voice of the Lord saying, who's willing to go? Who's willing to go? And I pray that we'd get the spirit of Isaiah that says, send me. I'm willing to go. Hear me. Pastor Hood can't do it by himself. Stephanie Hood can't do it by herself. The Diaz family can't do it by themselves. These great elders uh, and saints of God uh, can't do it by themselves uh, but we need uh, a church collectively uh, to count the cost uh, and say I'm willing to go I'm willing to pray come on I'm willing to say I'm willing to say no to some family events. If it, Come on, we can't miss church. We got to be present and we got to be all in. The voice of the Lord is going today. And I pray it again in your spirit that says I'll teach that Bible study. I'll show up to prayer. Come on, I'll pass out church cards. I'll knock doors. If you can use anything, God, use me because I want what you have for me more than I want my dreams and my aspirations. Amen. There's millionaires all over this world that are committing suicide that proverbially have made it to the top and have all the money to buy everything they want, but they can't find happiness. Uh, hear me, I know you've dreamt of being this and that since you were a little kid, uh, but hear me, unless you're walking uh, in the calling that God has for your life, what he said? He said, when you were in your, your mother's womb, I knew you. He knew you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts and the plans I think towards you. What does that mean? There is a specific anointing and calling that God has ordained for you to walk in. And you'll never find happiness until you're walking in the plan of God for your life. That's where we get into this joy that's unspeakable and full of glory and this, this peace that passes understanding it. People say, how can you smile with everything that's going on? It's because, uh, hey man, my happiness uh, is not predicated on material things, uh, but it's knowing I'm in the perfect will of God and that all things are going to work together for good. Hear me saying of God, whoo, hear me saying of God, joy does not come from anything this world can give and you're never going to know what it feels like to be yourself until you're walking where God has called you, where you're tired of scrolling social media for an opinion of who you are and what you're supposed to be doing in this world. Uh, hear me, there's nothing more beautiful than God say, breathing into you and anointing you and saying, this is why you were formed. This is why you were here. And I'm telling you, it's worth pursuing. It's worth letting go of everything else to grab a hold of what I was formed and created to do. 
Come on, can we pray for just a few moments? Amen. Can we pray for just a few moments? Hallelujah. Amen. I preached this sermon before, but as I preached, as I prayed today, I felt it specifically for this moment in time in this church. And I want to just talk to ARC right now. Hear me, that in order for you to get to the next level that God is trying to take you, you're going to have to understand that greatness comes at a cost. And before you can ever get to ARC's ultimate destination, you're going to have to count the costs and buy into the vision of the man of God and say, I'm willing to do whatever I can to push that vision forward. It's my prayer, amen, that your pastor begins to get some texts from some saints that say, Pastor, I'm all in. Whatever you need, I'm willing to do. Whatever you need, I'm willing to invest in it because I understand that greatness comes at a cost. Come on, greatness comes at a sacrifice. Come on, there's a lot of greatness that first had to take a stop on a threshing floor. And, the, and, our, and, and our issue is we see the good times and we see the finished work of ministries. We look up to men of God like Pastor Prado. We look up to men of God like Nathaniel Urshan and we say, I want that walk with God. But hear me, that walk with God had a threshing floor. It had a moment where it had to die and say, not my will be done, but thine. I'm trying to push you to the next level. Come on, you can see more souls be filled than you have room to deal with. Come on. Come on, you can see people possessed with devils healed. There's no telling what you can see when ARC makes up in its mind. I'm going to stay on the threshing floor until everything that has to be removed is removed. Amen. Because there's no going to where God has called you to go until you let go of the things that's holding you back. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm telling you, there's dreams that I had, I had to let go of, but I had to reach a point in my walk with God where I wanted what God had for me more than what I wanted for myself. Hear me, I didn't want to be a preacher. I did not want to be a preacher. I can remember when I was 18 years old, I was in high school, I went to a Christian school. They went around the class and they were asking everybody, what do you want to do for God? Amen. Every young man wanted to be a preacher. Everybody wanted to be a preacher. Every, every lady wanted to be a pastor's wife. You know what I said? I said I wanted to be a drummer. Hey, man, Brother Diaz, you didn't know that. I used to tear up the drums back in the day. Hey, man, I didn't want to be a preacher. Hey, man, but they reached a point. Hey, man, where you've can you got to stop denying what God has called you to do. You want to know why I didn't want to do it? I didn't think I was worthy enough. I saw myself through my mistakes and my failures. I didn't think I had enough intelligence. I didn't think I was gifted enough. I still don't think I'm gifted enough, but I just had to get to a place where I believe if God's called me to it, he'll equip me for it. I'm There's some preachers in the house, but you got to let go of condemnation and walk into what God has called you to do. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you sound like. It doesn't matter your education level. You got to get to a place where I trust him enough that he can take a mess and make a masterpiece. Clap your hands and give God the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to walk with you. I want you to show you sacrifice through the Bible so you understand that all these great men of God we look up to in Scripture had to sacrifice. In 1 Kings chapter 19, 
verse 19 through 21, we find Elisha. Elisha was a powerful man of God. Amen. He, was, uh, he came out from under Elijah's ministry, and we see great miracles, amen, performed in his life. But I want to go back to his, his origin story. I want to go back to his genesis. We see that the call of God, amen, comes on him as the form of Elijah. As Elijah's passing by, he sees Elisha with these cattle, and he takes off his mantle, and he places it on Elisha. I don't know what Elisha felt when that mantle rested on his shoulders, but the call of God goes forth. The call to leave his home and his family and everything that, he, that he's ever known. And as he kisses his family goodbye and gathers his things together, I want you to watch what he does. I don't know if we can pull it up. If we don't have the ability to, that's fine. But I want to look at 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 21. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there and see with me, amen, the kind of sacrifice I'm talking about on the threshing floor. Amen. 1 Kings chapter number 19 and verse 21. Bible says, amen, after he got this mantle, it says he returned back from him, watch this, and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. I want you to understand in those days, oxen were their very livelihood. It's how they survived. Uh, amen. Elisha was a man who worked in the fields, and this was his livelihood. But when the call of God, the mantle, was placed on his shoulders, uh, he went and took those oxen, uh, and he slew them and sacrificed them uh, because he wanted to make sure uh, that the man of God knew, I'm all in uh, on my calling. I'm all in uh, on my destiny. You want to know what else he was doing? He was making sure there was nothing uh, to return to. So he took those oxen, uh, and he sacrificed them. He said, I'm willing to pay the price uh, to walk in my calling uh, and my destiny. He sacrificed it. He relinquished everything for the call of God because he wasn't going to offer up a sacrifice that cost him nothing. This was his everything. This was his entire world. But he decided to keep his altar on the threshing floor and relinquish some things so that he could be used by God. This wasn't the only man in the Bible. I'll run through a, a few just so you get the gist of it. Abraham, before he ever became the father of many nations, he had to leave his country, his family, and everything that he ever known. Uh, Jacob, before your name uh, can be turned to Israel, uh, come on, you're going to walk with a limp uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, that's the evidence of the sacrifice uh, and the price that you paid uh, for the calling that I had on your life. Uh, Joseph, uh, come on, you're going to be second in command uh, of one of the mightiest nations uh, that have ever existed. Uh, but before you get in the palace, uh, you're going to first have to be thrown into a ditch, uh, and then you're going to have to be thrown into jail. Moses, you're going to see things that people could only dream of. But in order for you to see it, you got to leave the comfort of the palace and you got to go out into the wilderness and you're going to feel like you're forgotten and you're going to feel like your life is over. But there is going to be a moment in time where your sacrifice is going to amount to something. Moses, there's going to be a moment in time where you walk and you see a burning bush and all of a sudden the call of God begins to pour into you and you're going to do miracles. Miracles, but first, sacrifice. 
But first, removal. You can't go into, amen, the land that I promised until you come out, amen, of the power. I'm talking, there's some relinquishment that God is requiring to the apostles in order for you to see and walk next to Jesus Christ. God manifested in the flesh. First, you got to drop your fishing nets. I'm preaching that in order for you to walk in greatness and in order for you to walk into your calling, it's going to require relinquishment. But I don't want to leave you with despair. Amen. I don't want to leave today. Amen. And pastor gets a report that Brother Puller just really beat us up and tell us we had to give up everything. Amen. Amen. Brother Puller just preached, and now we can't have any dreams. We can't have any aspirations. We can't have a career. Guess we're just going to have to pray and just, amen, just, just live in poverty. No, that's not what I'm talking I'm, I'm going to show you how God works. Watch this. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1. Woo. You ready? Amen. You ready? Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. I want you to see the way that the Lord works. The Bible says, whoo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem and Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David. Amen. Watch this. Amen. His father in the, whoo, in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. What am I saying? The place where the greatest temple that ever existed would be built. I'm talking about a place where kings and queens would travel for miles, amen, and years to get to the place where the temple that would house the presence of God was built on the place where David built an altar where David sacrificed on the threshing floor. I want you to know when you walk, amen, into the temple, the greatest, amen, where you feel the presence of God and you, you see the glory of God descend down, that is descending down on the place, on the threshing floor. Hear me, saint of God, on this threshing floor, you feel like God is removing everything from you. You feel like God is relinquishing everything from you. But hear me, that place of sacrifice, God is going to build a temple. Amen. The greatest, most beautiful temple that had ever existed was built on the place of sacrifice. I'm preaching to somebody. Come on, it's a threshing floor right now, but it's going to be a temple. Come on, it's an altar right now, but it's going to be a temple. And you know what that temple housed? It housed the glory of God. It filled that place. It filled that house. There was gold and there was silver. And I can just see in my mind's eye generations down the road that would walk into that temple and they weren't aware of the sacrifice. David had made a mistake. Israel faced pestilence, but he was obedient, and he bought, amen, the threshing floor, and he built his altar, and God said, on that place of sacrifice, I'm going to build the greatest temple that man could ever, that man could ever imagine. 
Let me minister to somebody here today. I know it's a sacrifice. I know it doesn't make sense. I don't know why God is requiring me to sacrifice this and give up this, but I feel the voice of the Lord breathing in the house today to let somebody know that if you sacrifice now, there's going to be a temple later. There's an altar right now, but there's going to be a temple later. There's sacrifice right now, but there's going to be a temple later. But you got to build your altar on the threshing floor. Let's all stand. Woo. There's going to be a reward for your sacrifice. Amen. As the musicians come and begin to play, I want to just one more time reiterate what I've been preaching. You can't read the New Testament without reading the writings of Paul. Almost all the New Testament was written by Paul. Great man of God. Traveled the world, went on missionary journeys, saw many people, amen, healed and delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's a lot of us that want that kind of anointing. We want that kind of legacy, amen, that Paul, even after he died, we're reading and quoting and being uplifted by his, the words that God moved on him to write. But even Paul, amen, had to sacrifice. Even Paul had to build an altar on the threshing floor. You look at Paul and say, I want that kind of ministry. But do, are you willing to pay the price that Paul paid? We want Paul's anointing. But do we want Paul's testimony? Everybody, amen, wants, everybody wants to see a miracle. But no one wants to be a miracle. Hear me today. I want you to see this. Paul, amen. He said, I was in labors more abundant. I was in stripes above measure. I was in prisons more frequent. I was in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Night and a day have I been in the deep. Every hand lifted, every eye closed. Paul said, I was in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often in hunger and thirst, and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And we look at Paul, and we could say, was it worth the sacrifice? Was it worth everything that you had to go through? Was it worth the pain and the heartache? Come on, was it worth the suffering you've had to face? And Paul gave us his answer. And I pray that by the end of this sermon, uh, it's the answer of everybody under the sound of my voice. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, uh, where he said, I reckon. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
What is Paul saying? Everything I had to go through, it pales in comparison to the glory of what God is going to reveal through my suffering. What am I saying? It's a threshing floor. But if you'd sacrifice, I believe on that threshing floor, there's going to be a temple that people are going to come and find salvation. But hear me, you got to count the cost. You got to keep your altar on the threshing floor, every hand lifted. If you don't have the Holy Ghost in this place, I want you to come down to this altar right now and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Perhaps you're under the sound of my voice and you say, my life has been one heartache after another. Hear the voice of this preacher today. God is saying you can come down and he's going he's gonna to fill you with this spirit. Come on, if you, if you need something from God today, I want you to come down to this altar. Come on, if you, if you have a calling on your life, I want you to come down to this altar. Come on. If God has called you to ministry, if God has called you to music ministry, if God has called you, I want you to come down to this altar. And before you leave here today, I want you to up, count up the cost. I want you to make up in your mind, I'm building this altar on the threshing floor and I'm not leaving until in its place there's a temple of glory and honor. Come on, that's it. That's it. Come on, let's pray. Let's lift up our voice as, sis, as a sister sings. Come on, make up in your mind right now. I'm willing to pay the cost. Come on, let's lift up our voice and let's pray, R.C. Let's pray for a few more moments. Let's pray for a few more moments. God is moving in this house. Never burn out. 